Soma Podcast is a space where we unravel energy layers that reside beneath mainstreams through engagement with people and practitioners. At its core, finding settlement and exploring understanding in order to duly aid us in creating more aligned physical and non-physical spaces. I am so blessed to realise the strength that making space and acknowledging self can give, as well as how grounded in authenticity and comfort energetic self-discovery can be. This podcast is for building your own environment and energetic solace with the help of explorative conversational enrichment. Jacqueline Ogachuku, designer and author of The Geometry of Being Black, creates a digital space for BIPOC to settle and heal, bringing levity to typically dense emotional processes and providing clarity to the aforementioned processes also. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's okay. Um, Thank you for coming on. I'm really excited to chat to you about various topics. We usually kick off with a first question, and that is, did you have a space growing up that was a catalyst for strengthening your relationship with your environment. So that can be a natural environment, that can be a spiritual environment or an emotional environment. Was there someone or something that made you aware of self and healing and trust? I would say it was very difficult. I would say not exactly from the factors around me, whether that was school or just like, the environment that I grew up in. But I think because of that, that was something that pushed me to sort of find that within myself in a way, and then also seek that out in other places. And so I feel like when I was able to sort of leave that environment, it was very easy for me to discern like, this feels right for me. And this is something that will help me grow. What did you land at when you were seeking out? What was the landing point inside of seeking? I think for me, a really big thing when it comes to sort of emotional or spiritual or just like that physical feeling of safety as like a young black girl in like a predominantly white environment, school, neighborhood, that was very, very difficult to find. And there wasn't space to hold that. Being able to find a few people growing up Mm. who I could identify with was like really important to me but then I also feel that like when I moved out of that environment just like meeting people that were able to hold space for that in a way that I'd never experienced before was really powerful and I think that was a huge catalyst enabling me to be myself and enabling me to grow yeah I completely relate to that although I feel like I'm still scrambling to find those people and of course you get familial support of course they're there to support you but I think I'd be third generation Australian African Australian so being fourth gen it's different it's so different Do you want to go into a little bit of who or what sort of situations they were that made you feel safe and comfortable and propelled you to be able to speak and heal? I think what was interesting for me growing up is that at least when it came to issues around just like identity and race, middle school and high school, I feel like I was at that point still noticing things, speaking on it. Preface, I grew up in France. The difference was there wasn't space to have that conversation. So it was this weird situation where it's like, you're speaking out, but nobody's listening. But then I had a couple of really close friends who like we had a lot in common and we understood each other in that way. But then something with just sort of moving to the US and like that dialogue being there and like people at least acknowledging something that was very important. But I also think what was unique to my experience is the university that I went to was very, I would say, 
socially active when it comes to these types of issues. And so a lot of us who were interested in that just sort of like came into one space and collaborated with each other and were able to be open with each other and learn from each other. And it was just a monumental shift in my mindset. Also, it gave me the space to do that, whereas before it was like I would do it but get shut down. I felt like being out of that environment, it's like I could do it. And maybe there's still people that'll shut you down, but it just felt like there was a more breathing room. Growing up in France would have been so interesting and it may or may not be right, but what I kind of get, I guess, through seeing your work as well is that that experience though was essential people not listening was essential to you being able to then go inwards to find solace and to find comfort so that you can know as much as you do about internalized racism and trauma and the effects that it has and the scope that it has it was so crucial and then going to the yes kind of probably propelled you to put it out which is really cool yeah Yeah. and that's something that i been reflecting on a lot recently is just that like so much of the insight I have is due to my experience growing up and due to the things that I wish someone could have told me I feel like that experience really molded a lot of insight that I have and it's been really just sort of like eye-opening and just wonderful to see so many people resonating with it and it just shows me that like we need to be having these conversations it's really important for people's health and just like ability to be themselves in this world world that's so true i feel really similarly i guess i just am still in the midst of unpacking exactly what that means for me because i haven't really had a succinct sort of change of scope like that to a certain extent i feel that i I never will you know what i mean also being a really sensitive person like i just don't ever think that it'll necessarily be that sort of thing will necessarily be my way of you know healing through community and stuff like that but your work is so important especially for (laughs) people like me what did you study as well at uni i had two degrees first i studied social welfare in undergrad and that was a huge factor in sort of the way I'm able to think about certain things in a more collective setting and seeing how all these different social and political and different factors influence a community and influence a community's well-being and now I have a master's in user experience design which is essentially designing physical products or digital experiences and my thesis was on what would it take to sort of design a platform that reduces the barriers for Black, Indigenous, and people of color to get therapy? And so, yeah, yeah, one of my focus has been around sort of like community and healing. But I think something that I've been thinking about a lot, at least when it comes to my social welfare degree is there is a huge knowledge gap when it comes to institutionalized oppression and it's something that's like not taught in schools like even when you're younger when they teach history they like conveniently leave out the things that communities of color really need to hear things that everyone needs to hear. yeah so it's been very interesting having some people message me and be like where are you getting these claims from and i'm just like people really don't know this because it's not taught in schools but the issue is because it's not taught in schools people think it's not happening it's very dangerous and so i I do think there needs to be a shift in sort of the educational system and just being honest about the history of oppression and the history of like colonization anyways that was like a side note thinking about education a lot lately and that was something that came up yeah it's very similar in australia that sort of thing like not talking about institutionalized oppression do you want to unpack that as well just for people who maybe don't really quite understand 
Yeah, so let me break it down. A lot of times when people think about issues such as sexism or racism and all the other isms, they often view it as just sort of like an interpersonal thing. Someone saying something or doing something racist or sexist to someone else. There are actually policies in place that are perpetuating these isms. And that is how it starts off institutionalized. So things like, at least in the context of the U.S., things like slavery, things like businesses ensuring that black communities can't get loans to buy homes that they don't build wealth Mm. things like segregation in schools where like schools that are predominantly black indigenous and poc students have less resources a lot of these things are built into the foundation to assure that our communities don't get the chance to really just like be well and like have the opportunity to live a full life and i think part of that is this false sold narrative of the american dream they sort of spew it out like anyone can make it you just have to work hard enough but it's like no that's that's not true anyone can make it if they're white but not anyone can make like there's different barriers and we talk about the glass ceiling when it comes to women there's that same glass ceiling when it comes to people of color and there's a lot of barriers that i feel like people like to neglect because acknowledging that would mean wow maybe i've been benefiting from the system that's like hurting other people i know Um, the guilt hey yeah too much to handle (laughs) it's really frustrating that spews all the way down the line you know what i mean to when you're relating to someone who knows you even and then you're telling truth and they're just relentlessly negating it denying it refusing to own up how disgusting is that that is just so rude yeah and i think it's this thing what is it that this person is telling you that is triggering you to be defensive what do you stand to gain from negating this person's experience it has to be because in some way you're benefiting like what do you stand to you know what i'm saying like it doesn't You have nothing to lose by just listening to someone's experience. I know there's also certain people who just like, they want to be really positive and they want to believe the world is good. But to even do that, you have to come from a place of privilege where you didn't experience things that would make you view the world differently. In those situations, it's really important to listen to other perspectives. Yeah. Very frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And you know what I think that that is that you were talking about the why question of why the relentless Mm -hmm. denial. I'm pretty sure that stems from not wanting to feel like being a bad person and wanting to feel like being fair. And then as soon as you're seen as unfair, that hurts. It hurts me. hurts me when someone's like, you upset me. Even just that, you know what I mean? No matter who I'm talking to, it's that same thing. You know what I mean? But then you've got all the baggage of history with it as well. I can see how that could hurt. Now, I'm not trying to justify anything here because that's just ridiculous. I think it's good to understand the opposite or the opposition where possible. And I just have a feeling that that's mainly what's going on when people are like relentlessly denying. I think that is one aspect. But even with that, in general conversations that aren't related to someone's lived experience with racism, for example, I think it's good practice as humans where like if someone is telling you that you hurt them like even if it makes you feel bad being able to listen to them is like such a critical skill especially when it comes to lived experience that you don't have it's very harmful to try to negate that and i think there are some people on that side but i also think there is 
a very strong relationship between racism and narcissism. To be racist, you have to be a narcissist. And I know there's different levels to like racism and some people are unaware, but like at the very core, it's believing that you're better than someone else. And so I think a very key characteristic of narcissists is to not ever hold themselves accountable. You know what? Now that I think about it, that may be also because at a young age, white folk may have seen examples of, so for example, they may have been with their family or someone in their family and someone in their family has pointed out, kind of projected, you know, racial stereotyping from afar or had a situation that happened and they were witness to that. And so they think that that's okay. You know what I mean? They've found comfort because this white person that's close to them has validated the fact that, yeah, they're more overtly important than this person on the basis of their complexion. And And that's a real thing. And I definitely agree with that. Like, I think white people are taught to really, really love themselves in a way that, at least when it comes to the black community, I think in the same way we have been taught anti-black I think white people have been taught white supremacy. Like, I think that is internalized. Again, there's different levels to that. Well, you see it everywhere. Mm. And in the books and in your teachings and in everyone around you is like, whiteness is the higher power. Yep. It's hard not to internalize that. Children of color internalize that. So I'm sure white children internalize that too. And in subtle ways, you sort of grow up to learn like, I'm slightly better. Whether or not you're conscious of it is is something else. But I think that's definitely a thing. I think that's where unlearning has to come in. Well, I just don't know how it couldn't be a thing. You know what I mean? Because if the black experience is like being told from the get-go that your body is not suitable, then what is suitable? Oh, a white European body. Okay, so it has to be that way. There's no other explanation for that. This programming happens from the beginning. I have a few questions about you personally. So design... How did you get into it and how do you make your decisions in your creative practice? Mm. Yeah. Um, I've always been a very creative person, I guess, in different ways. Um, growing up, like I loved painting and drawing. Um, and then, you know, when I got... So like middle school, high school, I was really interested in design, like different types of design. I was interested in like architecture and interior design and um, fashion design. And so I've always been very interested in just the field of design as a whole. Um, And I think when I went to school, when when I did undergrad, my undergraduate degree and I studied social welfare, I still tried to stay creative by like joining certain clubs. Um, But I feel like after graduating and thinking about like, okay, what do I want to do with, you know, what I've learned? Um, I started working for some nonprofits um, that were in line with what I was interested in, but I felt like I wasn't able to be as creative as I would have wanted to be. And then I learned about (laughs) user experience design and I honestly just fell in love. I was like, this is, this is perfect. Like this is the perfect way for me to like be. So at the center of user experience design is 
empathy like you have to be empathetic for the people that are using you know whatever it is that you're designing and so a lot of the process before even designing the final product is speaking to folks interviewing folks and I really love that part of the process um mm. and then you sort of take what you've learned and you synthesize it and then you're able to like design something that meets their needs um and so I think that way of thinking was already ingrained in me from the work that I had done on like the community side and social welfare um and so yeah it was just like a really interesting way for me to like merge my interests together yeah and um now I'm sort of in a space where I'm um designing for wellness companies and so that has been like I feel like I'm able to do what I'm interested in on both ends yeah um, that's so cool yeah it's <laughs> that really, those, it's really awesome. yeah that those opening that's what I want for myself when I um you know eventually you know do my un, do my undergrad and then you know a master's or honors blah, 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 whatever um yeah I want to I want to be able to merge merge the two sort of right. things or the multiple things and blah 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 so cool that there's openings now for that sort of thing it's really right. cool future is amazing in that way I think exactly yeah a lot of alignment <laughs> yeah exactly and so what what um what do wellness companies usually ask you to design for them um so I finished one project last week um, and that was essentially working for a, a woman's health physical therapy company um, and because they're a physical therapy company they're um, in general they're in person but COVID happened mm. and so they needed someone to help them think through how to take that virtual um and so that was what I was working on with them and that was that was really interesting um the I guess design collateral for that project was less of like an actual like website and more of um a service blueprint so essentially showing them how their service should work virtually um and I don't know if anything I just said makes sense. Um, no, yeah, that makes sense. Essentially, it just shows you like how you're it, like, it's like a map sort of, and it maps out how your service should work between all the interactions. So like when a user does something, what's happening on the back end. Um, and that was really interesting. And I also got to interview folks. Um, so yeah, I wrapped that up and I'm currently finishing another project, a freelance project, um, which is, a, a company that connects healers to folks that are looking for like holistic healers in the wellness space. Oh my God, uh, that's me. What company is this? <laughs> They're called Guella. I what? Can, I like oh my God, yes, send it. Resources, please. <laughs> that's so good. That's literally what I look, I'm looking for that stuff all the time. Right. No, I can. I have like a, a very long list I can send you. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's a, I guess it just depends. It's like different things. I think right now I'm, yeah, just sort of open to what's in alignment, really, um, and and what I feel passionate about. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. That's so cool. amazing. <laughs> I love that. That's that is 
prime, you know what I mean? And you are, you know, looking at your Instagram, you are the best person for it. You know what I mean? Like you've just, you've got it down pat. Um, I really would love to know how you actually, um, sorry, hold on. Cause I've got it kind of written here in a bit better of a way. Yeah. So, so what resources have you utilized to gain, um, the knowledge well, knowledge on working with trauma and historical trauma or just the knowledge on introspective healing for BIPOC, like what you have, you know, how, right. Yeah. It's, it's multi-layered. Um, mm. I will, I will say the first thing is definitely, as I mentioned before, lived experience. Um, so a lot of it is intuitive. Aside from that, social, my degree in social welfare went into the depths in a lot of these issues that I talk about. And so, um, yeah, a lot of that is just knowledge sharing, um, things that I've learned. And in addition to that, I'm just like an avid researcher. Like I'm a very curious person. Um, and I read a lot of books related to these issues. And so, yeah um, really qu- quickly also things. sorry what's your sun sign and if you know you're rising in moon let me know as well <laughs> <laughs> my sun sign is gemini my oh. moon sign is aquarius yes and my rising is taurus <gasps> yeah. <laughs> oh that is so blessed this is such a blessed combination i love that yeah i I really love that that's so i love that oh my god um i'm always very when people ask me my son's my son son sign sorry i'm always very like anxious because i know people hate gemini so i'm just like (gasps) who are these people (laughs) get rid of them i love everyone except for two signs and i won't say them just in case you know, there's some, there's some people out there. And also my, my view has changed. I've met a few of this sign that I supposedly don't like of recent that I've actually okay. really what enjoyed. The, me? Oh, have a, have a guess, actually. Oh. Mm. Um, are you? Wait. I'm really hard. No one ever really guesses me from the get-go they always have a feeling then they just they but they don't trust it so they never guess it right i actually have i'm not sure are you a sagittarius no <laughs> oh god <laughs> that's okay that's the sign i was talking about that's my one sign that i usually <laughs> actually have a lot of problems with um i'm a pisces yeah and then i have my oh. i have yeah i'm an aquarius rising aquarius shows up like five times in my chart and then okay. um and then I am a Leo Moon. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Sorry, I named you as a. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? They're good. They're good folk. I can't. I can't. Um, you know, I can't beat them down anymore because I've met a few that I actually of recent, very recently that I actually really. It was a bit weird. Like it was a bit stifling the interaction, um, but. But yeah, for the most part, they're pretty cool, actually. I think I've just met a, a lot of Sagittarius people who just also I don't 
we just don't right. they're just I just don't like their personality I think a lot of the time um yeah but yeah I, I guess that. yeah because they're just they're really I'm really sensitive obviously Pisces is really sensitive cry baby whatever and yeah Sagittarius is always just joking and <laughs> it's just too much for me like I, I'm very serious like I as kind of, you were sad laughy and jokey oh no i'm just like a positive and happy person i like to go deep and i don't really the sagittarius thing look nah i feel that i don't know anyways we've kind of gotten off track here also like i guess pause I don't think I asked you your pronouns. Yeah, he, him. <laughs> I don't really say much or speak much on the trans experience, but I would like to do more of that, I think. Yeah, I've been trying to do more of that, little by little, you know what I mean? Uh, I just don't want to get bombarded by questions. I can barely even sort myself out just internally, yeah. let alone having exterior oh, questions. Just... <laughs> I've been thinking that, oh, I need to do it on social media. I'm like, actually, maybe social media is not yeah. going to work, you know what I mean? Someone's said to me I should write a book and I don't know if you know if you're into human design but I'm a projector and so our thing is like we have to wait to to action so now that someone's asked me to write a book on being a person of color who is also trans growing up in Australia I'm like maybe I should just do that yeah way off track that's okay um (laughs) that's not the basic is what i wanted to say oh thank you yeah i'd like to do it because i don't think i've met an african australian trans person yet i don't think i've met one non-binary folk are here you know what i mean i feel like i've met african australian non-binary folk but i haven't met african australian female to male or like male to female folk i think i often feel really like yeah isolated alienated and I think that leads me to like cling a lot to people who feel really comfortable so even if it's not me if I feel like they understand me I really cling really intensely yeah that's normal though I mean it's like Mm. that sense of home almost you don't want to let it go i also attract a lot of really autonomous people so that's like the complete opposite of what they want you know what i'm saying (laughs) soma team is excited to now be offering direct support in the ways of energetic cognitive aid to community soma sessions provide actionable steps and tools that you can use to remedy or support self-discovery authentic alignment creating boundaries understanding energetics and strengthening intuition Appointments can now be booked via the SOMA website, www.somaai.co, and we are waiving the fee for our BIPOC and LGBTQIA plus community for any sessions booked in the month of July. You can access the fee waive by entering BIPOC fee free or LGBTQ fee free in all caps at the checkout. For more information and general updates, visit our Instagram at SOMA project. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the episode. I have a lot of like quiet and introverted friends and I think it's very Australian to just kind of do your own thing and mind your own business and then link up for like a party or whatever, a small gather and then go away and do your thing and then see each other every once in a while. Interesting. I don't want to speak to the Australian culture because I think it's very varied, you know, a very varied experience for everyone. And I think my experience and what I see other people experience is only a small bit of the pie. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, a lot of the times it's like your partner is like, 
your person, your close person. And if it's not your partner, it's yourself, you know what I mean? And you have yeah. like some close friends, but you've just got you. And I think that's because what I'm being shown a lot of the time is people around my age, for sure, but white people. And growing up in a sort of split home in the sense of like, there was a heavy black presence and historically, you know, sort of culturally African yeah. stuff going on, you know, when I was growing up. Our door was always open and yeah, we always yeah. had people over. And there are people in this world that I call auntie who I'm not even related to. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> there are at least 30 of them. There are at least right. 30. And that's a cultural thing. And I didn't quite yeah. realise that. I'm still processing that. I guess I'm just wondering about Australia in general. So is Australia a place where you could like just walk down the street and see another black person or do you have to like actively go to like a specific event that's like, you know, like a spoken word. I mean, I don't know, I'm just making stuff up now, but like a spoken word event like for black people. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's interesting that you asked that because in Brisbane, definitely. In Melbourne, it's a bit sort of different. Like you have a, there's there's about... 30% 30% more chance of seeing another black person in the, on the street. And depending on which suburb you go to, and Melbourne's a bit of a bigger city, so it acts kind of okay. like a bigger city and where there's, like, cultural hubs for specific people, I guess, which is a bit weird. Right, right. I, in my mind, it's weird because I don't think things should be that way, but it is here. Um, and so if you go to a specific spot, of course you're going to see... Yeah, people of colour. Um, but you still probably have to, if you want just, like, to find a, yeah, like a like a black hub, you, yeah, you have to seek it out. Yeah, for okay. sure. Mm, that's, that's very Australian, I think. Um, yeah. Which is probably the complete opposite to the US, I would say. Mm. Oh, no? I mean, it dep- I think it just depends. Like, the US is so big, so it, it does depend where you are mm. the east coast yeah there are a lot more at least in my experience i, I feel like i've mm. i mean on the west coast yes mm. but on the east coast at least like in dc and even new york like it's just you definitely see a lot of black people mm. um which is i just feel like that representation is really important yeah <laughs> Um, just seeing people who look like you or have the same hair as you or just little things like that. Like, I feel like they really make a huge difference. Yeah. I feel like I would be much less anxious about my appearance if, yeah, I had it validated by externally, you know what I mean? Just through oh, sight right. more, right. more often for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good thing. Mm. okay okay back back into it i really don't know where we left off so i'm just gonna dive into something else um on your instagram (laughs) Mm -hmm. there is a lot of um oh we were talking about resources before and how you actually um came to your knowledge you were talking about books remember do you remember that books yeah resources Um. on internalized trauma and historical trauma yeah so when it comes to resources definitely my degree in social welfare definitely helped me delve into that a lot um aside from that 
my lived experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, aside from that, um, yeah, I'm definitely like an avid researcher. And so I read a lot of books on these issues and I just like read a lot of like literature reviews and like just like research papers that have been done on these issues as well. Um, because I think it's just really important for us to know our history. And I think that's a huge thing for me is that like, I feel like, I feel like once you understand the history and like, and like really understand it and really understand like the strategy behind racism and the strategy behind colonization, like, things just become so much more clear. At least that was mm. my case. I, like, I, I learned about all this stuff and I was like, wow, like this whole system is so fake and I'm just like, I'm done. Like I'm not, <laughs> and I, I, like a, I literally just felt like a light switch and I was just like, okay, yeah. time to like just, and I think part of learning all of that, like at the same time as you're learning, you're, you're just unlearning all these like false narratives that you've been taught your entire life. Mm. Um, and also, just learning, at least for me, like when it comes to the mental health aspect, um, I I feel like a lot of the knowledge out there, while it does focus on sort of the issues that are happening and the different forms of oppression, like there isn't a lot of talk about like, what does this actually do to these communities? Like how yeah. does this actually hurt? they're like psychologically or emotionally and I think um that is something that I really want to bring light to because a lot of us are holding this pain inside and and there's like no space for it to land yeah um, I I was just gonna yeah. ask as well um so because you were talking about learning the history but in my experience mm -hmm. um you know, learning the history can be really triggering for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though it's not yeah. my, even though it's, it can, you know, like for example, the American history is not actually my history technically because you yeah. know, my family came straight from Africa to Australia, but it's, it's just, it's, it still affects me. You know what I mean? And then learning about yeah. Aboriginal indigenous culture, cultural history also hurts as well and also has impact. I think it's right. just because I'm really deeply empathetic and, and sensitive. So it just really hits home. But those yeah. resources are so easy to access. I don't know. I've, I have never really found resources speaking out on the psychological hurt and trauma yeah. that this yeah. has actually had, especially right. the internalised trauma. So it's really cool that you have found these resources, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, right. because... I think when it comes to internalized trauma... Mm. Um, I mean, there's definitely, like, Franz Fanon, and um, there's a book called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, and, like, there's, there's, there are, yeah, there's definitely different resources, but there aren't a lot exactly <laughs> this is um, yeah that's not a lot that's so and my issue sorry um but i think that's oh no that's totally <laughs> <laughs> but i think i think that um 
again, a lot of, at least when it comes to like, okay, how is racism affecting people? I feel like you don't always need to look for a book to do that. Like, I don't think books and like online is the only form of research, if that makes sense. I think like sitting in a circle with your friends and like crying and like talking about your experiences and like how it affected you is like also a form of, of just learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's something like, I really, I, 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 I can't stress enough, just like us not, not diminishing like how much we know about how racism affects us. We know, like a lot of us know. Um, but then it's just sort of like, how can we articulate it and like, make sense of it and like create a space of healing when it's still taking place like it's just like that is when it becomes very complicated (laughs) yeah I was Uh, you know what though um I don't think right before even before seeing your content I don't think I clocked how much I had internalized this stuff and how yeah. much because I always consider myself pretty privileged and up until very recently I was like if it's not overt then you know whatever and also I have this really deep and big programming that um because I'm sensitive like I just need to I need to toughen up and like you know um, right. you know and all that sort of stuff so I've never I've always been I've always been the first person to blame myself if I'm feeling upset, you know what I mean? I never even, my brain never even split and went, actually, this might be racist, you know, or like this might be because of subconscious and subliminal or, you know, covert racism, Mm -hmm. you know, that this other person is trying to, you know, I've never, ever, ever thought of that. I've always thought that I'm just a sensitive person and I'm just yeah. taking this thing t- to heart, you know what I mean? Because that's what I've been told. Right. You know? Right, right. Yeah. And so it's really, um, it's really, and I've never had people to sit and cry with and, and talk to, you know what I mean, as well. I must right. say that. So it's really been a lot of, you know, that seeing seeing what you make and what you do, yeah, has been a very, has been a very big thing for me, you know? Um, I'm glad. Yeah. That <laughs> no, that, no, that really, like, I, I feel like that really, it, like, warms my heart, but also breaks my heart in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I think, yeah, it's, it's just this really interesting, like, as you said, like, this idea of, like, us blaming ourselves is it's part of the conditioning. I think it's, it's part of what happens when truths are erased or like, you know, Oh, you're just too sensitive. Like Mm. (laughs) toughen up, even though I just was like, so I just said something so bad to you, you know, it's like this culture around that, which is really dangerous. You know what? Uh, And I think I, I reckon if I were white, you know, and I got yeah. as upset as I did about something that someone said to me. That would not be the initial reaction that people right, have right, to it, right. for sure. Yeah. That's as far as I'd gotten with that. I was like, hmm, if I weren't white, if I wasn't queer, yeah. if I wasn't trans, if I wasn't, you know, this, that and the other, 
yeah. would this have turned out different? That's as far as I had gotten with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah. and that's 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 real. I think like, and I think what's really interesting about like what you just said is like, I think we all sort of go through these moments of like. Hold up. If I was white, like, would this be happening right yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And for me, like, that happened at, like, a very, very, and I'm sure a lot of, you know, people, that happened at, like, a very, very young age where it was, like, things would happen, like, with teachers. And I was just, like, yep. this is just, like, this is just so obviously, like, I'm the only black person in this classroom, like, yeah. Even though I didn't know, okay, I don't know what it, what racism was. I was like, okay, my skin is brown. Like clearly something's going on here. And you know, when you're young, like it's very, it's, it's very easy to sort of like take all that stuff in and sort of like internalize that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was always something that didn't sit well with me. I was like, yeah. nah, something, something about this doesn't feel right. Exactly. I was young, but I Nah, this, this <laughs> exactly. A little bit, but it was still. I mean, there was nothing I could really do because it's like I'm really young and like I don't, I don't know how to talk about this, and no one's gonna talk about this, and like teachers are also part of it. Oh, too, they so are. It's like, who do you go to? Yeah. Um. Exactly. And so, yeah, that's like a huge thing, and so I think I really just want to like lift that up in my work is that like nine times out of ten like it's not you yeah (laughs) yeah so it's just you know I think that's really important for us to like understand what is happening um and just I don't know and I've also gotten a lot of I've gotten a lot of people telling me like they literally have felt this for such a long time, but just didn't know how to, like, make sense of it. Mm. Um, And then I've gotten people who are like, I, like, I feel like I've done this to, like, black people before. I feel like I've done this to, like, brown people before. And Mm -hmm. I just, I didn't even know, like, and I think for me, it's, it's this, on both ends, it's this conditioning. Like, for us, it's this conditioning of, like, being taught to internalize and self-blame and, like, not love ourselves. And then on the other side, it's just being taught to, like, be on the defense and, like, I'm always right and I'm, like, low-key superior. And it's it's very, I don't know, it's interesting to see how both sides are sort of reacting to it and, like, oh, wow, like, this is, (laughs) this is a thing. Yeah. Um, I think, um... I think one thing that really helped me at least was getting the, you know, obviously asking that question of like, if I were white, would this be happening to me? Getting that confirmation that it wouldn't from white people, I think was the biggest like (gasps) moment thing for me. And then getting support. That's the second step. You know what I mean? One, getting confirmation from white folk that, well, no, I, that's such a weird experience and I have never had an experience like that ever. You know what I mean? I can't even really speak to it or truly empathise with what you're speaking to because, um, you know, because I've just never had to experience it. And then two, 
getting support and being bolstered and being like, that should have never happened to you. Like, you know, you're worth more and, you know, and yada, yada, yada was massive, 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 massive for me. I think that's how I've gotten to this point where, yeah, where I'm just, where I can still be really authentically, well, as as authentic as I know at this current point myself, you know what I mean? And not feel, um, yeah, too too greatly bogged down anymore, you know, by by all of it. And I know to trust myself as well. That's how I've arrived there because that's really right. important to be able to right. trust your yourself. Yeah, mm. I agree. That's definitely a big part of it. Just trusting yourself. Yeah. When you've been taught to like not trust anything that <laughs> that you think or that you say, like that's a really big part of it. Yeah. Definitely. Exactly. So what I was going to ask before is what is your relationship to the like idea of skin or complexion and color? You know what I mean? Because, okay. So when I look at your feet, let me unpack this. <laughs> when I look at your, cause I kind of have this as well. I mean, but I really, I mean, okay. So when I look at your feed, you've mm. got your resources mm-hmm. and then in between that there's these pictures of parts of right. the body, um, of skin, you know what I mean, in a very yep. – that are poised in a very gentle, typically coloured skin, I should say, in a very, like, yeah, just gentle and affirming sort of soft way. Um, right. Oh, my God. Sorry. I just need to turn my do not disturb on. There we go. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah, I just kind of – because I have really intrinsic fascination – an intrinsic fascin- fascination with with skin okay. as well. So so I just kind of wanted to get your perspective on Oh, that. I see. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm understanding the question. Yeah. Um, I – yeah, I love, I love skin and I love skin textures and yes. just like the tones. Um, yeah. I'm, I think as someone who like takes photos, like I love taking photos of just like kind of zooming in on just like specific parts. Um, on my feed, I have been focusing on hands and specifically black hands. Mm. Um, and I think... I don't know this it's just something it feels very calming for me and it, it also does. feels I think and I would hope affirming for folks to just like see black skin mm. I feel like a lot of just I feel like on social media like it can like just in media in general mm does not make space for black skin, black bodies in general. And so I'm just very intentional about like, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. And creating that opening. Um, It's so important and so important. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I just think it's beautiful. Skin is very beautiful. So that's like (laughs) the other part of it. Yeah. That's so, that's so cool. I think, um, yeah, I feel so similarly. I think with textural things in general, 
That's why I right. really love plants and I love what I'm studying at the moment because yeah. it's such a – they're just so – they're so different and there's so yeah. many different ways to look at them and there's just so many parts. You know what I, I love it. I'm really – obsessed with it and texturally they're they're just beautiful yeah. especially Australian botany I think um really uh conservative beauty which I think is really yeah. I think is kind of important it's like Australian botany is like the equivalent of you know yeah I guess what um the displays of of black skin on social yeah. media because <laughs> it's not showy and so people are like oh that's just the bush is ugly like whatever there's nothing there you know what I mean so no one right. but yeah anyway so um yeah I really like how you explore that and yeah it's really deeply healing and I've often I you I save these like blocks of like nine photos sometimes because I don't know I just go through and save pictures on my Instagram sporadically and then I'll go through and look at the collection and I'll screenshot nine photos and there was this one time I think it was like it would have been like my 30th or 40th or 50th something screenshot and I just realized that like they were just, it was just all white skin. You know what I mean? Like it was just, I was like, this is, it's such, and I said, it's such a shame that there is not yeah. one single person of color here in this block. You know what I mean? Because that's my own privilege showing there. You know what I mean? Coming through. And I just, I really, I was I'm curious myself. why you call that privilege. Well, okay, I think because, hmm, actually, I'm curious, now that you've kind of questioned that, I, I guess it's kind of, it's privilege and then it's also programming as well. So yeah. I think yeah. it's deep, deeply programmed that my idea of beauty is white. Um, okay. And yeah, my idea of because let's let's call it aesthetic my aesthetic is like soft and sensitive and soft and sensitive is white um and then also i know i know right that's an that's a really yeah yeah (laughs) do you want to unpack that or do you want to i mean there's a lot no i mean i I, that's i mean that is what (laughs) we are taught like Mm. we're literally taught that and i think Even, like, I've been thinking a lot about language and I've been thinking a lot about the things that I was taught in English class growing up. And it's like, you know, we're assigned or, like, we talk about, like, symbols and colors and it's like, white is pure and dark is, like, evil. And, like, little things like that, I Mm. feel like. And in the books that we're made to read by all white people, and it's like, this tender white woman, like, just there's so much around it that it's like, I think that's programming. Mm. I think which is why I was interested in, in, in the use of the word privilege. Um, I think that's programming. And I think that's another reason why I'm just so intentional. Like, I want people to be able to come to the space and see themselves Mm. in a world Mm. where it's like as you said like aesthetics are centered around whiteness a lot of times um and 
I think it's it's important, but it's also like this hopefully like subconscious <laughs> like subconsciously trying to like deprogram both. Yeah. Yeah, no, I Yeah, and I, I love it and I appreciate it and yeah, your pictures are ones that I yeah, definitely feel comfortable saving to my collection because yeah, it fits. I don't know, it aesthetically fits. And I guess to to talk about the privilege arc that I was yeah. kind of um, speaking to was that I feel like because, okay, I don't pass. I never pass in terms of blackness, you know what I mean, or like colour and complexion. I don't know. I don't have yeah. white white passing privilege, whatever, you know what I mean? Because there are some folk that do pass or that are, you know what I mean, to a certain extent. I, I say passing, but it may not be the, the right term to be using. Um, I don't pass, but I am really, I grew up pretty, well, I grew up inside of really deeply immersed in, in white culture because it's inevitable, you know, growing up in Australia, which, mm-hmm. and then I, um, I assimilated really well. I think that's a privilege. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, so for example, I, yeah, the little, the niche pockets that I'm in, in my like friend circles and in the circles that I'm interested in, um, it's kind of, I hate to say this because this is like, this is the programming coming out. You know what I mean? It's a privilege to be there. And I'm only there, it's a privilege to be in those circles, right? Not necessarily, well, yeah, actually for me to be in those circles, technically speaking, because they're niche, typically white. I want to say, yes, they try and be as inclusive as possible, but it's, it's whitewash. They're whitewash circles. They're small circles. And I'm there because of my knowledge and because of my keen interest. You know what I mean? Which means that I'm included because of those things. And if another, you know, person of color were to come in and they weren't, and they weren't integrated or, or, um, properly. Yeah. If they weren't properly integrated into, yeah, white culture and this white niche, then they'd probably, I don't know, they'd, they'd be like, um, they'd be on the outer rim. Yeah, that's still privilege. Right. That's still hectic programming. That's really hectic to even say. It's, and, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it is how, it is what it is, mm. I think. But I, I think, yeah, I, I think there's definitely a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is it a privilege? Like, it's not. Is it, is it's it, not. Is it unfortunate that another person of color is not able to hang out with people who may not accept them? Like, mm. there's just like so many different layers to that where it's like. I want to say straight off the bat, it's not a privilege. And it's the fact that I've posed it that way is I've posted it from a, a sort of white perspective. You know what I mean? So this is what people are thinking subconsciously. You know, mm-hmm. white people inside these circles this is what they're thinking subconsciously. They don't even realise it. They do right. not even realise it. They think that they're very inclusive. And mm-hmm. I know that this is going to hurt a lot of people. Right at the beginning, we were talking about guilt. This is going to really 
bring a lot of that shadow up, you know, out of white folk who are listening and in these circles. But I guess this is kind of what a lot of people are talking about with the whole, with the wellness, you know, um, or the, the enlightened folk, the white folk who are ignoring or refuse to acknowledge this sort of thing for the sake of enlightenment or in the name of wellness and, and stuff like that. Right. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I guess I said it in that way just to kind of highlight how, um, how deep running this is for me. And then also probably heaps of people, you know what I mean? The fact that I even said privilege from the, beginning and not programming when I knew exactly what what I was trying to say that it is programming is kind of you know is a sign you know what I mean well it's not a sign but it's it's like a that's what that's exactly what I'm talking about you know you're made to feel like it's a privilege even though it should not be it's it's not you know what I mean like it's not it shouldn't be posed in that way but I guess I'm 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 curious about like the 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 photos. Like I'm still trying to connect the dots between like the word privilege and the photos. Mm, mm. Like I understood it in the context of like the social group, but then I was thinking about like okay, you're looking at photos and like maybe most of the photos you're sa- saving happen to be like white skin. It's what they're doing as yeah. well. It's what they're doing and it's because I've only seen white people doing what they're doing and in the way Uh, that they do it. And so I'm like, and so that's what I know to be true. And I've gotten so good at knowing, knowing what buttons to push in terms of these like white nuances and these, and these inside of these small little white indie circles, you know what I mean? That I don't even... I don't even like realize that. Um... Well, and and then there's also um, a sort of inter- there's a lot of internalized racism going on there. Where I'm like, this is not something for black people. This is not something for indigenous people. This is not something for a person of color. Um, you know what I mean? And I think yeah. And so yeah. So for example, um, hmm, beekeeping, right? That's kind of become this thing, this niche that is a part of like, I don't want to say indie or alternative because it's not, well, I guess it's alternative, alternative living, holistic living. It's kind of slotted its way in there. There's a, there's a deep fascination with it right now. It's kind of trendy. I have not yet seen a you know, black Australian beekeeper. I haven't seen one. You know what I mean? They're all white. And yeah. so I'm like, my brain's like, okay, this is a white thing and it's a privilege to be enjoying, to be inside of this circle that understands the nuances of this um, white beekeeping arty thing. And yeah, it's just not for, it's not for BIPOC and yep, that's right. it. Yep. I think, and, and, and this is why I think, like, history is so important. So when I say history, I don't only mean, like, the triggering history and stuff like that, but I just mean knowing our roots, and when I say our, I mean, you know, Black, Indigenous, and POC, like, 
knowing our roots, knowing our practices, mm. knowing our holistic living, because there are so many things yeah. that our communities created and practices that we did that like are now coming back as trendy and appropriated by white people. And people are like, oh, a white person created this. But then it's like, no, if you actually like dig into the history, like mm. you're able to get that sense of pride in yourself. Cause it's like, we've been doing this, that's like, right. <laughs> you know? And I think that's why I, that's something that I always go back to. It's like, I, it doesn't have to just be the, the history of like colonization, but like, just like, who am I? Like, who mm-hmm. are we? Who are, who are my people? And like, what did we do? And, and how has that been co-opted today? And like, yep. repackaged as like, new wellness trend or something. Yep, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, exactly. Mm. And I, I think that's, that's really important. Yeah, um, it is. And I, my family are the only people who have reminded me of that you know what I mean and remind me so constantly that these trends these things that I'm doing that that are now trendy because white people have found it trendy have been in my family and in my history for a very long time and they weren't cool forever until now you know what I mean um gardening is one of them um You know, um, eating like I want to say weird food, but it's not weird food, just like food that's like native and, you know, just not your typical European, you know, like having a, a deep fascination. Good food. Good food. Good food. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's been in, in my family for, you know, ages. Wood carving. I was taught by, you know, a white person how to carve how to carve spoons and things like that but I had my mum was telling me that I had an an aunt you know what I mean who used to carve bowls and spoons as well and right. stuff like that and I didn't even know that I didn't even right. I'm just thinking oh, I'm just doing this like trendy thing like you know what I mean and then right. mm, and it's really it can be really hard to yeah to navigate all of that hey when you're just yeah yeah constantly being erased and then you have no knowledge on your roots as well I think that's my my big predicament you know Mm. yeah and it's yeah it's (sighs) (laughs) it's it's, it's a lot like I'm (laughs) it is it's so it's so so devastating but it's also like there's a lot of hope in the sense that I feel like there's still time for us to like relearn ourselves and like, mm. uh, yeah, just get to that point where we recognize that like so many of these things were stolen from us, mm. and you know, just knowing that I think is is like really important. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you so much, Jacqueline, for coming on. Um, yeah, it's been so amazing to speak with you. And yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Mm. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. You can find Jacqueline over on her Instagram at Ogachuku and her book, The Geometry of Being Black, over on Amazon, Goodreads, Dibix, Google Bookstore and many other digital and physical bookshops thank you for listening